0: Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Miss Rukwonga, that's a long pause.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm alright, thanks mate. How are you? I'm actually really happy. You you always say this, I'm actually really, really in a good mood.
0: I've got company. I just saw a fly coming past. Oh my
1: goodness. (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) am I going to have to edit that out all the time?
0: No, it's just like, it's just, you know, when you're in captivity, it's nice knowing you've got a uh, got company, even if it's only the fly. You've got a little pet fly. The flying variety, well, I'm not sure it's quite, a- I'm doing more with the upkeep, so technically I'm the pet here. I'm doing the maintenance, so actually, Fry's will be probably thinking, yeah, I live in a warehouse with this like dodgy roommate, <laughs> who always, always wears the same sweatshirt and watches the same three football matches, classic football matches on YouTube, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a long time no see. Yeah, what, last night? <laughs> <laughs> we did our first ever instagram live on what was it tuesday
0: yeah thanks everyone who tuned in actually that was great fun actually we really enjoyed that yeah, That
1: was great I was quite nervous yeah because it's <laughs> performance anxiety <laughs> can't edit a live
0: vid yeah they can't edit a live vid and you've got to be actually interesting and the cuts have to be sharper so yeah i think we got away with it i think so yeah we just did an hour my cousin enjoyed it. My cousin Alonya enjoyed it. Uh, shout out to Alonia. So I think, I think I'm think i fine so far.
1: Maybe we'll do another one. I liked, there was someone, I can't remember who it was, but the, there was a comment saying, "Who's that guy who sounds like Ryan, but isn't Musa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was fun. Also, before we get going, we're going to do another stadio sessions on Friday evening, 7pm till 9pm UK time, 8 till 10 Berlin time. And then I'm sure you can figure out the time zone wherever you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an 80s special. So, so just 80s music and hopefully, if I can find enough, just 80s commentary. That's uh, so great. So that be fun. Two hour, 80s session. Good times. Also another bit of admin before we go. I, it should be up by the time you're listening to this. We did a thing for FopMob about six glorious passes. Where we picked three passes each and put links to them and wrote a couple of lines about each one in preparation for today's episode. So if you haven't already got it, go and download FOTMob. It's available on iOS and Android. And yeah, shout out to the FOTMob family. Hope everyone's keeping well. Hope you're all keeping well.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And safe and healthy. Before I forget as well, this is okay. Quick shout out to Common Goal. Not everyone um, follows Common Goal and listens to us, but they're really, really interesting, really worthwhile to follow. Basically an initiative within football where professionals involved give 1% of their salary towards great causes under the Common Goal NGO umbrella. And they're launching a COVID-19 response fund, the Common Goal COVID-19 response fund. From this week onwards, it's going to be launched and it's going to be fronted by Juan Mata at his Instagram. So that's at Juan Mata Garcia. So yeah, shout out to Common Goal.
1: Yeah, doing good things, Common Goal. Really are. Right. So today we're talking about passing. Yes. Yes, we are. And passers. Those people that make the magic happen. And passes. Oh, what a nerdy subject.
0: It's not though. It's not nerdy at all because it's not nerdy because I think about this a (laughs) lot. Like when you, even when you watch your favourite footballers and highlights of your favourite footballers, unless they're spectacularly skillful, you just, it's just goal highlights. So you can like watch a compilation of a lot of, um, I know YouTube's got better at this recently, the kind of compilations, but until quite recently, it was really hard to find passing compilations that were just people passing. That weren't, you know, connected to a goal. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks to how we regard passing within football generally. Like it's such an important skill, but even until quite recently, completing a really high percentage of passes was not a thing people talked about.
1: Yeah, and then it kind of went over the hill, didn't it, in terms of, people were using it or referencing it as a really important stat and then all of a sudden it became, what was it like? Stale possession became a exactly. thing. Yeah, just exactly. Passing for passes sake and safe passes and sideways passes and we mentioned this on the Instagram live. People were asking what positions we played in when we played football. I've played centre midfield so I'm not very tall. You know this. I'm not huge. <laughs> I'm not super, super quick and I'm not super skillful. I think without kind of wanting to go too into self-analysis of your own very amateur level game. But the things that I am pretty good at are game awareness and space and stuff like that. But passing, because you have to be in centre midfield. You have to know, I think, we have to be all over the pitch in a way, but I think more so in centre midfield where it's the only position on the pitch where you're completely surrounded.
0: Right, yeah, yeah.
1: You're surrounded by danger and you're surrounded by potential at any moment of the game. Therefore, I think that's why you see so many of the greatest passes in history have been central midfielders because it's not merely down to ability in terms of how far you can strike the ball or, you know, your pass inaccuracy. It's decision making and picking the right type of pass in the right moment based on the circumstances around you. And This is why the stale possession or sideways and backwards passes thing to me is a bit of a redundant criticism because... There's a time to go and a lot of the time those sideways or backwards passes will keep ball circulation or possession. Right, right, right. And actually manoeuvre the opposition side to a point where you expose a weakness and then you make the kind of pass. There's always been this thing in, in English football specifically I've found where, and it's, an, it's a thing we've spoke about a million times, but people applaud the intent a lot of the time. Right. So, for example, it's a common thing that I always reference, but the Alexis Sanchez, Meza Ozil thing at Arsenal. Alexis Sanchez, an unbelievable footballer, don't get me wrong, at his peak, but high risk, high reward. Yeah. I've always been a huge fan of Meza Ozil, and I know that a lot of people were, I can, I can feel the eye rolls already.
0: Ha, 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 Ryan's talking about Ozil again. Oh, here
1: we go. It's like, if you're going to play like a quarantine drinking bingo game for Stadio, it's like, right, Ozil drink, yeah, drink. <laughs> Musa said Redondo, drink. Red star, red star, red star. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the thing about Urzel, for example, which is something I've always admired about him is that he has this kind of removal of ego that he'll make the right pass and the right decision at the right time, what's best for the team. And sometimes that results in a lot of really underwhelming, not particularly interesting highlights. Yeah but actually you may not see how important a five yard pass to keep ball circulation would be until 15 seconds later in the move. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And I I think when I see people blaming passes for stale possession, I now blame the runners ahead of them for not creating options because I mean, again, like the amateur level I played at the low level I played at, I played center midfield for a couple of years and the first time I ever played it, I was actually on a football tour And one of the games we played, I came on, um, as a sub, I was, on the bench for that game in particular, I mean, they're like, Can "You drop into midfield." So I went along, alongside my friend Dan in midfield, and Dan was like, not particularly quick, but had astonishing technique, vision, and just like a feel for the game. And I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, it was equivalent. It was the equivalent. It must have. It was like the first time a hedgehog ever saw the M twenty five. You know, like when the roadworks are com- when the roadworks are completed, and this hedgehog has literally walked across. Like generations of hedgehogs have crossed this patch of ground for years, and all of a sudden there's a motorway there, and all of a sudden I'm a hedgehog and I'm surrounded by the these like heavy duty, high speed vehicles. And I remember thinking, I can never forget, this was like, Ryan, I'm an old man, I'm 40 now. This is 20 years ago. It was bewildering how fast it was. And the one thing I remember actually from playing in centre midfield, and coming back to the concept of the topic of passing, the one thing I remember thinking, Ryan, is how intellectually exhausting it was playing in into yeah. midfield. And this is the thing, people talk about footballing intelligence, right? My brain... The amount of calculations my brain was having to perform, you're in this tiny, you're in this centre circle, it's tiny, it's congested, it's like air traffic control, but you're also a plane, right? You're planning the traffic, but you're also a plane. And that's why for me, Chavi is, is the greatest passer of all time, because he executed that. And I think Michael Cox has said this actually, zonal marking, so shout out to Michael Cox. I don't think there's been a greater run than Chavi 08 to 2012. He, he ran world football for four years straight, like for club and country, every single week. Mm-hmm. Ran every midfield that he was a part of. For those of you listening, if you want a passing exhibition, Xavi's performance in the semi-final of the World Cup 2010, when Spain dismantled Germany, it's 1-0, but it like, you watch the game and it's like, it
1: should be 3. I think the thing about Xavi, which I think will get forgotten over time, is kind of how scrappy he could be as well. Yeah. He was actually not a bad tackler. No, no, he wasn't. And there were a couple of times where for example, you'd see him slide tackle, win the ball back, get into another duel, but maybe do some kind of like quick flick and then out of there and then pass. All within the space of two or three touches. In this almost continuous fluid. It's almost like a paintbrush. Yeah, right. Yeah. Putting like a brush stroke on a page, but you're you kind of go up and down and you, you know, it's one continuous movement, but it's it's almost like multi-directional. And I think this is the thing about passing is that it's not just the passing that makes the pass. Does that make sense? Or does that sound like a little bit too much of like a fortune cookie?
0: No, you've said that brilliantly. It's a bit like when you're playing these like, you know, street fighter games or whatever. And it's the things that win are the combination punches. You don't win. You don't win with one punch. You have to do a combination. And a lot of people, when I was playing a sentiment, one thing that blew me away was you could make an incredibly difficult pass. But a split a second later, you've got to be in position to receive another one. And I normally, like the way I was, and this is probably <laughs> how I am in life as well as in football. When I achieved something really amazing, like a pass, it was really difficult. There's a part of me that kind of stand back and slightly admire it and be like, thank God I did that. Mm. Whereas the best players go and make two more of those, as to use your example of the, br- of the brushstroke, within the next two seconds. And Dan, who was next to me, Dan got the ball. I'll never forget this moment. He gets the ball on the edge of the um, centre circle. And then he, I can see it now, he walks between two players with like just dropping the shoulder, then lays off a square pass to me and then receives it again and then goes off again. And he's crossed, it's what Moussa Dembele used to do. He basically, it's a very unrated skill to cross the centre circle in heavy traffic between two or three men, passing and dribbling is one of the hardest skills in world football. Like you said, Dimitri Albertini could do it, Xavi could do it, Iniesta could do it. I think it's what you could call uh, progressing the ball yeah, You know, and Redondo did it. Redondo in the 2000, um, sorry, Redondo again. Drink. I know. <laughs> Fernando Redondo in the 2000 Champions League final against Valencia. In the second half, I don't think he loses possession. And what's amazing about those players, Xavi included, is how scrappy they are, how difficult the passes they make are, but yet how many of them are they complete. They're not making, Xavi's not making 95% of passes, passing back. He's hitting them forward, sometimes 20 yards, sometimes 15, like through through two or three players. Like mm. it's, it's hard to do that at our level. Like how many times have you gone through an entire game of 90 minutes completing 95% of the passes? This guy did it. Well, you have. I know you're Ryan, but you've done it. But
1: no, no, like, I'm yeah, you I'm have.
2: You, I you've joking. Done it. <laughs> you,
0: you, yeah, you, you probably have. I've seen you play. You probably have, but um, I certainly haven't.
1: And... It's all about the stats, Moosa. That's all I'm thinking of when I play football. Pass guy. completion, pass completion.
0: But I think there must have come a point though. I think Ryan, there must have been a point for players, I'm sure there are midfielders who played on pass completion bonuses.
1: I'm sure there are. Maybe, maybe, I'm, yeah. I'm sure there are. Yeah. I think I think it's really interesting what you said there, because I think someone who was an absolute master at it was Patrick Vieira, and he doesn't really get maybe the credit for that part of his game as much, because he was so, I mean, it's the classic kind of tall, black centre midfielder thing, isn't it? You right. know, pace and power and all this kind of stuff. But you know, Patrick Vieira could have played in that Barcelona stint at some point I think he was that good with the ball but also that dynamic and I think a very underrated passer of the ball
0: that's right I mean Petty always got the credit and Edu as well because they were slower They got the credit because they they really. You know, it was. It's always the case when you've got like a surging player. Well, it's normally a black dude. Let's be honest. When you've got like a player that surges forward in quote marks, let's be euphemistic because surge is the posh word for beast
1: with an urban finish. Yeah, an urban
0: finish. Yeah, if you've got like (laughs) the sitting player, often gets more credit for the distribution they deserve.
1: Yeah. Do you remember the famous Bayern Munich game we were watching in different locations? I sent you a screenshot of, was it StatZone? Yes, yes, yes. Boateng, Jerome Boateng. It was Jerome Boateng and Mats Hummels playing centre-back and it was, I think BT Sport kept going on about how Mats Hummels was the ball-playing technical centre-back and Jerome Boateng was the quick, powerful centre-back. I was like, what the fuck's going on here? And I just checked the stats really quick. And literally, Boateng had made more passes, completed more, and had more variation.
0: Yeah. Well, Boateng is on the best. Well, actually, I'm glad you've mentioned Boateng because the 2016 Euros, a lot of people wouldn't realize this you don't live in Germany, but just before that happened, there was a huge controversy with the far right part of the AFD who came out and said, you wouldn't want a Jerome Boateng for a neighbor. Yeah. Basically, the, the dog whistle being not that it's a dog whistle because they're the far right, they don't even dog whistle anymore. Oh, for the days when people used to like hint at their races they they just stay out, <laughs> out loud.
1: But um, does that make racism great again? <laughs> yeah, <is> that, make, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't call the podcast that. Oh, my goodness. We'll get more listeners with a different audience then. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so Jerome Boateng, um they came out before the tournament, just before the tournament started, and they said, you wouldn't want a Jerome Boateng for a neighbour, basically saying you wouldn't want a black neighbour in Germany. And there was a huge controversy.
1: Born in Berlin, Jerome Boateng. Right. And
0: like, like a really quiet dude, actually. Like you don't even hear about him off the fields. So they, oh. the, they picked the worst possible example of like yeah. black decadence they could have found. But anyway, Boateng goes into that tournament and has an astonishing tournament, perhaps his best tournament, arguably, in terms of being a leader, a goal scorer. And the long passes he was hitting out of defence in that tournament were just, you know, the greatest long pass I've ever seen is David Beckham.
1: Uh, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's fair.
0: Closely followed by Paul Scholes and Xabi Alonso, but not far behind them is Jerome Boateng. And the kind of third tier of long passes, I think Jerome Boateng is at the top of the third tier.
1: I think Jerome Boateng is a magnificent passer. He always has He's been. He's extra- extraordinary, extraordinary
0: yeah. passer. But that tournament in particular, he was ripping these absolute like... <laughs> it was like watching Tiger Woods at the Masters. You know when Tiger Woods first won the Masters, you're like... Is this just about golf? Okay, you're winning by twelve shots. I know you want to win the Masters, but how how much of this margin's victory is attributed to the fact that the context in which you're playing? Like, I wonder how much of the racism was a motivation for boating.
1: Oh, playing angry man. Yeah, I think imagine playing golf angry. Yeah, they'll never wow. Admit- <laughs> well, wow. <laughs> Tiger
0: Woods' early career. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Oh man, I wanted to talk about long passing because yeah. This might take a bit of a, a negative slant here. Yeah. But an often gift pass within football is the crossfield ping. Right. Oh, ZX. Uh, ZX I'll allow because the angle is very aesthetically pleasing. However, yep. can we consult the Stadio Dubious pass panel? Yes, we can. Can we assemble this, the Stadio Dubious pass panel? The panel's assembled. Okay. We're here. This court is now in session. <laughs> <laughs> the crossfield switch... It's not a difficult thing to do, is it?
0: No, not necessarily. It depends what defence against. And it has its value. I think that's the thing that... Just a switch. We're talking about a switch. No, it's not, it's not hard. Not hard, It's really. not, is it? No, no, it's not. It's not. It's more about what you're trying to set up. It's more what's the overall plan. So the, the best crossfield switch I ever saw was actually one that Zidane plays in the 98 uh, friendly. They've won the World Cup that summer and they come to Wembley and Zidane basically jogs everywhere and gets two assists for an Elka. France that was so far superior to England, it was embarrassing Mm. in that game. Zidane hits one crossfield pass in that. He hits it so high, you almost wonder if it's gone out of the stadium, like above the, you know? (laughs) You know, you just see it. And there's something about that kind of crossfield pass where you're almost like setting the table. You're like...
1: Yeah, but I think that's a different thing though. I'm talking about the... The execution of it. You know, you have time and space and you clip one. Yeah. Like basically in the mould of the Ziyech pass. Right. Which is a lovely pass. Don't get me wrong. It's lovely to look at. But what's it doing? This isn't the kind of pass that we're, we're celebrating.
0: Yeah, the only crossfield pass I celebrate is the one that Beckham would launch. And I couldn't find the specific one, but um, when Andy Cole used to break in the Champions League games and Beckham would hit this crossfield pass from the right back position. And it was such a good pass the camera would actually have to pan to follow it. The the, camera would, mm-hmm. the ball would leave the screen and he'd be like, where's that gone? And then you'd see the cameraman would get there and I hope he wasn't running, the poor guy. He would have bust his, you know. <laughs> Imagine the card you have to catch, like running after a Beckett pass. <laughs> um, and uh, the camera pans across, and then you see Andy Cole receiving on the left flank, cutting in. And that pass, that's the one, the angled one that basically opens up the game. Mm. So we're celebrating more of that kind of pass than the kind of like, you know, the stale one.
1: Yeah, definitely. There was a pass that I actually included on the FopMob thing, which was Pogba's pass on the volley to Mbappe in the World Cup final.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that pass by Pogba because that was actually like my number four in my all that's my number four all time
1: should we maybe take a break and then come back and get into those yeah sure let's take a quick break Alright, we're back from the break and we're going to get into a couple of our favourite passes and also favourite passes and we asked people for suggestions from their favourite passes so we're going to read a few out. But yeah, going back to the piece we did for Fogmob, Pogba's pass in the World Cup final for my three picks, because we both picked three, right? I just mm. picked three favourites because I couldn't pick three all time and it would change week to week and I think there are so many amazing passes in football that it's so easy to forget them. But also... Some of them are really hard to find.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's a Rose Lavelle pass that I tried to find. I can't remember the game it was, and I could not find it anywhere. Rose Lavelle, incidentally, one of my favourite passes in world football. But the Pogba one that I included, so it's from a throw-in, and he gets the ball in like a deep number six position. He's got one guy closing down in front of him, and another, I think it's Manzukic coming from behind. And he takes one step forward to create space, to take two steps back, doesn't take a touch where most centre midfielders in that position would take at least a touch because of the position they are on the pitch and to get the ball under control and to maybe use their body as a shield. He takes his two steps back, hits it on the volley diagonal on the floor out to the right wing from Mbappe.
0: And it curves along the ground. It's unbelievable. It, it curves on the ground. It's, it's one of the great passes. It's one of the greatest ever passes, considering the timing of the game. It's 2-1 to France at that point. Mm. Kante has gone off four minutes before. So it's like, it's pivotal. It's half an hour to go. Croatia actually had a very good first half, arguably still the best team on the pitch, were applying a lot of pressure. And there were questions about whether Pogba could really hack that midfield by himself without Kante there as his kind of babysitter. And that one pass, at the end of which, of course, he scores. Yeah. And the reason I didn't include it in my top... Three, it was like my number four. The reason I didn't include it in my top three is because I feel like that sequence is actually Pogba in essence, the entire minute I almost was like, that would be my thing. If someone said, if there was a minute of play by one football that encapsulated their entire career, I'd be like, that's Paul Pogba from yeah. the moment he passes it to the moment he scores. The fact that he basically shoots with his right foot, gets charged down and goes, Oh, I'll just use my left and curls in an astonishing strike. And the pass itself the timing of it, the execution of it, like there's almost no other pass in world football who could have played that pass under that pressure with that technique. In fact, I can't think of one. I can't think of another passer in world football at the moment that has the ability to like, uh, maybe, uh, sorry, Kevin De Bruyne has got that ability. Oh yeah, Kevin De Bruyne. And Kevin De Bruyne yeah. and, and, and Tony Kroos. But apart from that, no one else has that ability. There's the only three passes.
1: Actually, we had a really good one from Nathaniel Moore on Twitter who reminded us about that Pavard pass for Stuttgart against Greuther Fürth. The one that went viral, Dremba, where he cuts it through from the centre back. And it's actually a really similar position from where Pogba plays this pass, but Pavard yeah. has it on the floor. And actually it ends up in the goal for Stuttgart. The angle on that is completely wild. Actually, there's another amazing one that Pogba had. His assist for Giroud against Cameroon from out wide. Oh, that is that is terrifying. He's busy as well before he hits it. He hasn't yeah. he's not just sat there and pinged it and he kinda no looks it as well.
0: This is the scary thing, Pogba's ability to like deliver the pass in traffic. Like he will hammer it, and he's got a really funny kind of gait. You know, you watch um, Pogba and Zidane, and they look like they're kind of stumbling. I've always said, like Zidane looks like a slightly confused businessman who's turned up at <laughs> a game. You
1: know? <laughs> he's that quantum leaped onto yeah, a football you know, pitch.
0: If you basically had a way of filter, adding like a suit filter to Zidane, like a suit and briefcase, and t- like he looks like a sort of slightly confused like, Oh, what's this? Like, he's, you know, he's like Zidane looks like Clark Kent. Who never actually gets changed. He's like always, <laughs> you know what I mean? And Pogba similarly has a quite a strange run. Like Andre Agassi had a slightly sort of pigeon-toed run and Pogba's run is slightly lilting. Doesn't look that fast, doesn't actually look weirdly that balanced. It's slightly
1: ungainly. But he's kind it's, of, he kind of looks like he's, he's walking with a limp, yeah, but, but running. Like, but he's deceptively, he's beautifully balanced. I love watching Pogba play, man. Never in a rush.
0: There's a way that elite athletes walk and conduct themselves was it some neuromuscular coordination or something? uh, There was a, there was a a great article about this uh, by Marcella. We mentioned Marcella's um, work last week. Marcella Moriarao talk about Diego Maradona and Leo Messi and their coordination being almost cosmic, Mm. like the way their bodies are coordinated with their minds. And I think Pogba's like that, his ability to deliver an astonishing pass, having been, surrounded by that and that is I think that is what puts him above even Tony Kroos because when they're under pressure Pogba's better at receiving the ball under pressure
1: the range of Pogba as well is amazing there was do you remember that one when he was at Juve that one for the Tevez goal against AC Milan 2014
0: I was thinking of the City goal I, remember the, I don't remember the Tevez one
1: so he's kind of on the edge of the box and he plays his pass through to Tevez and it's unbelievable I mean actually there's another amazing one that's really similar to the volley that he plays in the World Cup final by Marcelo against I know it I know it But it's on the half volley. It just oozes Brazil. If there was like one, one moment in football that could completely encapsulate Brazilian football, I think it would be that pass. It's like, this is a left back. who's hit it on the half volley with the most beautiful trajectory and accuracy completely in the path of the on rushing like right winger.
0: That's the kind of ball you can hear fizzing through the air. You know when it goes, but you can actually hear it going, because yeah. it's like, it's hit with that. He's rip, he rips it. He almost rips. Such control. It. It's such just- Yeah. It's like he hits it with backspin for control, Yeah, but with the power, it, it's abs, and he's sort of side on, so he almost gets his waist. When he hits it, it's almost like his waist is perfectly in line with it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I know the pass you mean. There's one that Pogba hits, and I can't find it because it's not something which got replayed at the time when it happened. He hits a pass into the feet of a fellow player and it's as hard as a shot he Mm. does that a few times it's like when when he was playing with Fellaini he knew that Fellaini's chest control was so good but Pogba knew that he could pass to Fellaini like that and that's what I love about passing it's the understanding
1: yeah you have to you have to know I mean even at the level that I play at the way you pass to different people is different yeah and where they are and actually where you want them to be so for example you know if you're playing a deeper midfield role so there's been times for example where you look around the pitch and you receive the ball in central midfield and where everything is laid out, you want to progress. You know that your defence could move forward 10 yards, for example. So if you're going to play a pass to the right back, play it where you want them to progress to, yeah. not to their feet. Because then you're actually telling them subtly without telling them, let's go. Yeah. So there's all these little things and calculations within football passing that I think go maybe unnoticed or underappreciated. And they can be the difference a lot of the time.
0: Well, I don't know if I mentioned this in the other podcast, but I was watching the um, Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3. Recently, I was watching a rerun of that game. Some friends, shout out to Steve Bloomfield, who organised um, a bunch of our friends to watch this, and it was great fun. At the same time, I couldn't help but think no one's putting their foot in the ball. Even Jamie Redknapp, who was regarded as one of the, sort of, the great defence midfield or holding midfield talents, didn't try to regulate the game. And I just thought to myself, this is the problem with English football. At that point, you had these four four twos, right? The idea was, oh, you drop, I go, and vice versa. We swap. That was never good enough. It was never good enough because you're still leaving a huge gap. You need triangles, right? Yeah. So you've got this weird situation where you've got the wingers pushing really hard the pitch and one Newcastle player sitting deep, if that, and they just get swamped. You didn't have a third man in midfield. Batty was completely indisciplined, could have been sent off. Rob Lee was like, bless him, he was on the edge of the box, almost like a kind of like number 10, but so advanced. And the gap was just gaping. And I thought to myself, Newcastle could have brought in a player like, well, they wouldn't have because it was the Keegan era, but they brought in a player like Busquets. And everyone had been like, oh, that's a that really boring guy that doesn't do anything. He would have taken this thing right out of the game at 2-1 and given them chance to sort of rest in possession. And you watch it and you go like, well, even like the level we played at, the third man in midfield was a revolution in English football for so
1: long. I think that's what makes passing for me, one of the most intriguing aspects to football. Yeah. It's a really, really flexible element to football that can, it's not just passing it from one guy to another. If you're chasing the game, for example, the way you pass changes and it creates urgency or it ups yeah. the tempo. Or if you're 2 or 3 nil up and you want to kill the game, you do it via passing. I mean, my dad was a central midfielder as well. And for those who don't know, he was at Arsenal as a youth player. And um, What's that
0: your dad played? Uh, I'm just getting to repeat that. Because well, I've mentioned this. I know, I know you have, but it's just such a great,
1: yeah. And so he signed for Arsenal when he was 12 and he was there for about eight years and he used to play centre midfield in the youth team with Liam Brady i shall tell the story about it. I'm not sure if I've told this, but he's he, my dad's like 5'8". He was a very technical ball-playing center midfielder, two-footed, so much so that when I, as soon as I could start walking, he was teaching me how to kick with my left foot because he knew that I would probably be right-footed and therefore wanted to make sure that I could kick with both feet as equally as possible. This is honestly what he did. Maybe why my mum divorced him. I don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: but a few years ago, we were talking, I think this was maybe 2014, actually, You know, obviously back then in the late 60s, early 70s, small technical midfielders weren't really the rage in the UK, especially when you're playing next to arguably one of the most technically gifted players in Arsenal history.
0: Of all time, actually. In any, Yeah,
1: because I I said to him, actually, I think it was about 2014, I said to him, do you think you would have made it if you were coming through now with your skill set? And he said, honestly, like, I'd probably have more of a chance now than I did back then but he was very he's was not one of these you know hashtag could have played professional knee injury dudes he's very yeah he actually did it he's balanced it. He saw- about it and he's yeah, like he's- yeah you know I wasn't I wasn't quite good enough then but I might have been all right to come through now because of the skill set and I said to him I was like all right so of players playing today who most kind of replicates your skill set and without even thinking about it he just goes Javi. <laughs> yeah I was like all right dad you know don't hold back
0: but no, but, but I think he's... But there's a point there because Xavi um, gives a great interview in in which he says, players like me were almost extinct.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's he's basically v- same height, not quite as skinny as Xavi back in the day, but, you know, jet black hair as well back in the day. Yeah. I mean, Xavi coming through when
0: he did was about as revolutionary as Mike Skinner listening to Garage Tunes and instead of doing triple time rapping, just talking. Like, it was so counterintuitive to play like the way Xavi did. And it was... It was a, you know, they were a dying breed, those players. I yeah. actually asked, I actually got a chance to ask Stephen McManaman about this. I interviewed him at the start of my football writing career. And I said to him, look, like, would a player like Xavi have been picked up with the current scouting system? And he said, I don't think he would. I don't yeah. he it was like, I don't think Xavi would have made it out of the non-leagues. Not because he's not astonishing, but you put that guy in a two-man field and hammer the ball 20 yards over his head all the time in Sunday League. And you don't see the brilliance of what he does.
1: I think that's it. Context is so key for so many central midfielders. Yeah. Like you said, Javi might not have flourished in a 4-0 side. It's almost like, you know, when you put too many plants in a row. Yeah. Brilliant point. Brilliant. Yeah. It's kind of like that. And I think English football cottoned onto this over the last decade or two. But if you give youngsters the chance to play freely, that's when you really see how good they are. Because it's like everything in football is such a building block. Like for example, you know, Like coming back from injury, even at the level we play at, you notice that you're half a second to a second slow when you first come back because you're just worried about aggravating an injury, especially if you've had a long-term one. So that's why you don't go straight into a game, even at our level, after being out for three months. You train for a couple of weeks before maybe even joining in, and then you join in the games because it's all a progression. You need those boxes to be ticked before you can really operate at your full level. Yeah. If Javi had come up in a system where it was blood and thunder and he was getting smashed all the time and he was never actually allowed to flourish, then how could anyone have ever known? Exactly. But you have to see it before you believe it. And if you don't see it, then you're not going to believe it.
0: Well, the, the scary thing with that is as well, even now, there's a great piece by Raphael Honigstein about Thiago Alcantara mm. and about what exactly he does for Bayern and how even their players, or, or not players, the players get it, but people within the organisation and the fan base not
1: entirely convinced of his value. One of the most unbelievable passes in modern football. Terrible. Right. And then
0: and Tony Croos as well. Like there was a thing with him, like until he left Bayern, a lot of people didn't fully appreciate what he
1: did and what he brought. I was at that Arsenal Bayern game at the Emirates when Chesney got sent off really early and Alaba hit the post with the penalty. I was right behind Tony Croos for his goal where the ball gets cut back to him on the edge of the box and he's right of the right-hand post and he hits it with the pace, top corner. <sighs> I know Arsenal went down to 10 men early on, but in that game, like I was saying about Thiago last week, that era Tony Kroos was someone that you had to watch. You just had to watch him the whole time.
0: This is funny. When I went to watch um, Arsenal against, I think, Slavia Prague at the Emirates, and it was Flamini, Fabregas in midfield. I know it was like Slavia Prague, but it was 7-0 and Fabregas was otherworldly. The awareness, the vision, the touch, these Pogba-type passes along the ground, no flash, Along the and Like the Raquel May pass that Sana Qureshi sent you against Racing.
1: Well, this brings us on nicely, actually, to some passes that we should talk about because we need to shout out some. Yeah, let's go, yeah for it, let's go for it. We put out a thing instead of questions just saying, who are your favourite passes and what was your favourite pass or some of your favourite passes? And Sana responded saying Raquel May, obviously. And then she sent me the video which has that pass on. And we were talking about it a little bit. We were kind of agreeing that this is probably our favourite like genre of pass. It's from a slightly deep midfield position, but you see it happening and you cannot figure out how it's happened or you cannot it takes you a while to figure out who it was supposed to be for. Yes. Because it's not just sold everyone on the pitch. It's not just sold everyone in the stadium. And the thing about football, I think, is that when you're watching it from the perspective of at home on TV, you see more than that player sees through their eyes. And there are these special moments with passing where the player even does you. Yeah. You can see it all. You can see everything and the play and they've done you. And you have to watch it again to figure out. What's just exactly. happened?
0: Yeah, this is this is actually this is a great genre of pass. There's one that Iniesta plays to Chavi. He plays a one-two with Chavi, which in itself is not remarkable. But the most mind-blowing thing about it, he runs past him before he plays the one-two. Yeah. Now, the reason that's so mind-blowing for anyone that knows that is like that is completely counterintuitive. When you play a one-two with someone, you don't do that. You play the ball to someone ahead of you and then go and receive it when you've caught up with it. Iniesta goes past Chavi and plays it backwards. And what does that do? Of course. Everyone just comes up naturally, and Chavy plays into the gap.
1: Those two in sync were like the greatest I've ever seen. I think, yeah, the greatest midfield pairing I've ever seen.
0: That—that's arguably the greatest midfield trio, passing trio. I think certainly that football's
1: ever seen. It's hard to argue with that. I think. Do you know who was a who was an absolute master at the the genre that we were just talking about before? It was Guti?
0: Oh my goodness!
1: Shout out to everyone who just responded saying Gooty. Justin Salhani just responded saying gooty, gooty, gooty Gootie, Gootie. Gootie, Gootie, Gootie.
0: <laughs> Can I just laugh for a second? So those, those that don't know Justin that well, lovely man Justin, Justin Salhani. There is nothing more on brand than Justin Salhani flying <laughs> Because if I could ever think of, I've never seen Justin play football, but I, ma- I imagine that he passes like Gootie. I imagine he passes like Gootie.
1: Gootie had this brutality in his passing, I think, where it wasn't just the best option. It was also like, it's like, Right. The best option here is to trip you up. That's the best option. But I'm not going to just trip you up. I'm going to grab the back of your head and push it in the puddle.
0: Yes. (laughs) It was funny. He was a strange player because I remember seeing him and going, I don't get this. I don't understand how someone who looks like that, quite sort of slight, actually, he was quite strong, deceptively strong, but quite sort of quite slight, quite strolling, didn't tackle very much. How can he survive in the middle of midfield? How has he managed at a time when Barca, no, sorry, a time when Real are buying and selling so many players? I know he's a fan favourite, but I don't get it. And then I saw him open yeah. teams up. It's the way he opens you up.
1: There's a pass that I put in my Mob thing, which is I deliberately left out the back heels because as much as I love them. Yeah. There's one that he plays against Sevilla in 2003 four for Zidane and... I just, I, just, I don't know. I think it's my favorite Guti past. and I can't think of anyone who has a better resume of holy shit through balls than Guti. I think that's that's very fair. I think that's very fair. Not just amazing through balls, because like Pirlo, for example, had yeah, Pirlo's through balls were great. But there's something about Guti's where I don't know. If you watch it, right, put it this way: if you go back and watch all of Guti's through balls, and every time he connects with one, just imagine in your head the sound of someone laughing. Maniacally,
0: Exactly. Well, this is, this is, can I, can I, can I draw, can I draw a comparison here? When you look at Gooty pass, Paul Scholes, for example, one of the great long passes of all time, just astonishing to watch. When Paul Scholes hit a long pass, you did not think that he was attempting to defy belief. Mm. You just thought he was trying to complete a long pass, which he did. Gooty, there seems to have been a vengeful agenda. It's like, I'm not only going to complete the pass. I'm going to make you disbelieve what you just saw. I'm attempting to make your own mind define logic. That is what I think the difference is with Gucci.
1: Just constantly laughing. I just imagine yeah. Gucci yeah. just to be constantly laughing on the football yes. pitch. <laughs> he just was like that. Yeah, he, he is.
0: He is actually. You're right. He's actually one of football's jokers. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, yeah. for, like legit. There's, this, there's, a, there's a scene in um, the first of the Star Wars remakes, you know, the, 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 the terrible films that no one talks about, when Darth Sidious took, the guy that used fights the double lightsaber, mm. which is basically the character in my analogy. And he's talking to like the Emperor and he's saying, and now shall we, re- shall we reveal ourselves to Jedi? And I'm like, he says it in such an evil way, shall we now reveal ourselves to Jedi? And I'm like, <laughs> that's Gooty revealing himself.
1: <laughs> Let's go through some tweets. So this one's from Faith at the First Pancake. Megan Rapino to Abby Wambach, USA against Brazil, 2011 Women's World Cup. She says, I still dream about that cross. I love That's that. That's a deep pass. cut. That's a deep cut. The thing that actually I think is amazing about that goal is Wambach's header. Because she's got a defender and the keeper flying out at her and you never right. see her flinch.
0: It's actually like an up and under in rugby when you know you're going to get wiped out. You know you're going to take the contact. The beauty of that kind of pass as well, or that kind of cross, it, it calls for bravery. You know, you're saying how a pass creates the run. Mm. That is literally a pass or a cross saying, be brave, like attack that space, attack that contested
1: space. But also to the defence and the keeper as well. It's kind of like, come and get this because I'm back in Abbey here. Yeah. Who wants this? Yeah. You want to go up against Abbey? All right, be my guest. It's
0: throwing, throwing up an alley-oop in traffic. Yeah. And like trusting and trusting your teammate to like cut through the traffic and and dispatch it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, this is a great one from at LoftyCheeks88 on Twitter. Fabregas passed to Schurler for the goal versus Burnley in the 2014-2015 season. I love that pass.
0: The deep-lying half volley, the 4-2, was the 4-2, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh my goodness, that is unreal. And the thing
1: about this pass, which is so amazing, is that, a lot of players would struggle to focus just on the cross coming into him. But he's caught Schürrle's run going around the back. The cushion, the accuracy, the pace, on the half volley, from across. I mean, Fabregas, some of the passes that Fabregas has made, like the one for Nasri on the Barcelona goal, Arshaven's Barcelona goal. But actually, do you know the thing about that move, which always gets cut off? It's the Wilshire pass to Fabregas, which actually opens that whole thing up because of Wilshires body shape Barcelona think he's going to open out left and he plays a ball almost like back the way it came to Fabregas right. and it completely throws Barcelona off there's a, the, actually
0: I always felt that Wilshire's performances were better when he was deeper but yeah Fabregas against Burnley is amazing
1: there's another one that we have I'm sorry we're not going to be able to get through all of these because we could spend we could do eight podcasts on this maybe we will no sorry <laughs> uh, yeah. Craig Dawson first one that springs to mind Kaká to Crespo in the Istanbul Champions League final Absolutely. Right. Uh, This one from Matt, rat underscore Simons on Twitter. I think we should finish on this one because I think it will take us to the end. (laughs) Messi is the best passer I've ever seen and nobody even seems to notice.
0: I think that's unfair because, I mean, who's not noticing it? Who are we talking about? Because Messi is out of this world as a passer. Like, well Gallinika said, it. he said, Messi said, I played with Maradona, he said. I played I, play, you know, I played against him. I saw him. And I that is the best football I've ever, the best goal scorer I've ever seen, the best dribble I've ever seen, and the best pass I've ever seen.
1: Oh yeah, he said that on our podcast, which you can go back and listen to.
0: He did indeed, yes. And uh, the art of finishing. Shout out to Galinica. There's a thing that Messi does. Jadon Sancho does it more recently against PSG when he goes upfield into the final third. And um, he beats a man and doesn 't get greedy; he cuts it square, then runs on mm-hmm. and it 's almost like in, you know in rugby when you kick for touch in order to gain territory. Messi is amazing at gaining territory and retaining it with that sort of simple square pass and you know Messi will get a lot of fanfare for the crossfield passes, the ones that he loops over the defender for Jordi Alba, that great combination he's got. But his combination play, particularly alongside Dani Alves, the amount of times that Dani Alves and Messi, and there's a whole compilation on YouTube you can check out, the combination passing those two operate in tight spaces is just, it's supernatural how good that is.
1: Mm. I think Messi's, I think passing is probably one of Messi's most underrated traits. I agree. I don't think people haven't noticed, but I don't think it's something that...
0: It's overshadowed, Yeah, yeah. It's overshadowed. Yeah, that's fair. Do you know what it is? Here's the thing. I um, was asked to select a world eleven, and this is me being a bit hipster. So, warning: I actually had Messi as an eight in a world eleven. I mean, he could play there. Uh, he could, he could, and the reason I put him as an eight is because I was like, when Barca beat um, Spurs four two at Wembley, the positions that Messi starts in are basically number eight positions. He basically plays yeah. as an eight in that game, and he's so devastating. If you ha- if you have him as, as an eight with the right midfield configuration you allow the front three to go and be devastating.
1: Oh, actually, before we go, um, there was something that popped up today on Twitter from the Arsenal Women Twitter account, which was this amazing combination of van der Donk and Vivian Miedemar. I mean, I think van der Donk is an unbelievable passer. at the moment. Yeah, ball. yeah, without question. But I think Miedemar's passing is super underrated. That's true. There was one in the compilation where she, I think, gets the ball off van der Donk, but Miedemar's almost in a deep line midfield bit and she takes touch, turns and hits this ball through the defence out to the right wing. I think, she's, I think she's really underrated versus that. And that game against Bristol City where she had, what, six and assisted alone as I well. I think that,
0: that's, kind of that, that's the kind of game that, if you want a microcosm of what she's about as a player.
1: Mm. She loves assisting as well, she said, even though she's a goal scorer. A lot of goal scorers say that though, they, don't they?
0: Yeah, I, that's not me, if I'm honest. That wasn't... That, yeah, it's you're, not my... just
1: a, you're not a humble goal scorer. You're a humble shy poet, <laughs> not a humble shy goal scorer. <laughs> not at
0: all, not at all. Um, but yeah, I'm always impressed with players who are so good at other things. I think I've, I've said this to you before on the podcast. When you first told me to check out van der Dunk's game, I expected a very different player because I just heard about the physical side. So I, you know, I, didn't, I was like, oh yeah, this is quite a scrappy, pugnacious. And her passing range blew me away, actually. And not just the passing range, but the vision, the execution to hit the pass before the gap closes. A lot of players can't do that.
1: Yeah. Oh man, we could go on all day about this. We could, we could, we should get off. It's kind of felt quite nice this one because we haven't, we didn't have anything to like pick. We were just talking about passing.
0: Yeah, but I think it's nice for those passers to feel appreciated. So if you're a passer listening to this podcast, you don't feel appreciated, please say, Stadio appreciate me.
1: Yeah, I mean, we missed absolutely loads, so... It's not through a lack of rating them or anything like that. It's just... Let
0: me just say the name Michael Laudrup unless they, otherwise they will come for me. They'll come for me. It's, yeah, 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 they
1: will. We've got to say Michael Laudrup and just reiterate that we also Roy think... Keane, David Silver Kevin De Bruyne, just in case we didn't reiterate that enough, is a great pass of the ball. Ilkay Gundogan. Great passer of the ball. David Silva.
0: Yayoto yeah, Toure, to Steven Gerrard, your favourite players. Don't come for us. We've thought of you. We know yep. you
1: exist. Whoever you think is the best passer of the ball of all time, we do too.
0: And whoever you think we've deliberately neglected, they're listening to our podcast in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> let's, get, let's get out of here.
1: <laughs> let's get out of here. Well, we can't go anywhere, but let's get off this. Don't forget, download FopMob, check the piece. What, what do you want to say, Musa? You keep gesturing to me.
0: <laughs> Have you mentioned the Apple uh, reviews? no not yet I was going to do it in a minute okay
1: I'll leave you to it
0: do you want to do it no 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 you're good at it
1: another Stadio sessions Friday night go to the Twitter account which is just at Stadio we'll post the link there it's on Mixalar at Stadio Football on Instagram Stadio.Football is the website don't forget if you do listen to our Podcasts please give us a rating and a review it really helps us grow the podcast alright Moosokwongo let's get out of here let's do it let's do it yeah, we're playing out this week on tri Quest Midnight just because just because see you soon see you Monday but the night is on my
2: mind, so Paul A while I drop this rhyme. See, Jake be getting early when the sun get dark. He be coming out the heads, but you don't let me start. There's activities of plenty in the nighttime. time are ghetto child, it seems to be the right time. See, kids be getting stuck with jewels or fly gimmicks. Shorty see the action and and start to mimic. Running to the corner, the dice game is raising Looking at the loop, it seems so amazing. Puts the short down to be exact when Brownie shakes the stones in his hands, then he lets it down, uh. Scared money don't make none. He threw a trip on the ace, now he's out, son. Hits the local bodega to wolf down a hero. Son is on a midnight run like De Niro. Spots a shorty rock standing on his block. The thieves behind him to pump, so we asked if it's not. Conversation that he kicked to the shorty was a flower increase intensity, cause there she was a flower. Took her to the crib, there she ran her jibs about mind up with me. And a positive, he yawned and he sighed till 105. Then he finally realized the honey was alive. At least he didn't plan on building for the evening. Do the feel out on the dome and said, "Come on, yo, we leaving." Came out on the scene as he told her to be for. So his man stand with the blunt in his hand. You know the transaction, brothers getting lost in the weed satisfaction. Coming down the block, man, loudest. You square red man was inside the truck. As the night seemed darker, cops is on the hunt. They interrupt your sight, cipher and crush your blunt. Till you left your work at home, so they pat you down for nothing. Why in the hell does 10-4 keep fronting? You push through the park, even though it's still dark. The kid is nice on the hoop. He said i spot you, true. The night is on my mind.